Uh, uh, don't worry. Uh, nobody got, will notice. It's fine. I, know, I clicked the wrong folder. This whole thing is falling apart. It's just fine. like the Raptors. They're not falling apart just yet tonight. Here we go. I've already scored more points already than in the first quarter of the other night. Uh, I, think, I think we're good. Principal audience isn't uh, basketball fans, I'm sure. They might like. There might be some crossover. Okay, hey everybody, and I think we're probably live now. So I'm going to start the intro, and uh, it's Wednesday night here on Live Log It Podcast, and we're covering the original series along uh, with the Raptors game, which is also a very big deal. Um, so uh, here we're covering uh, with our esteemed panel. First, uh, Jody Simpson. How are you doing, Jody? I am doing. Next, Adam Woodward. How are you doing, Adam? I'm great. Thank you. Hello. Great. Hello. And uh, my brother, Jeff, and my dad, Ted. How are you guys doing? Photon torpedoes, man. Photon torpedoes. They're, Photon locked, they're loaded and locked on your target, Captain. Yes. You know, it, hey, it's Gorn versus Kirk. This is the battle of the century. This is Arena. what it's all about. This is uh, at Vasquez Rocks or wherever, you know, the Metrons put it all together. The Metrons interfered. Somehow That's William cool. Shatner's hair stays perfect throughout the whole episode. It's it is amazing. It is quite the coif he's got going. Well, on. you got to remember in the 23rd century, they got much better hair products, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sulu's got that one strand of hair perfectly, too. Like every, it, The hair is just so in every shot. It's it's the hairstyler. The hairstylist worked overtime on this episode. <laughs> yes, I yeah, it was Shatner was out by himself on location with some guy in a big green rubber suit for a number of days and they but they they made it work. Okay. And let's this is maybe one of the most famous Star Trek episodes, original series episodes. I think it was featured in the movie Coneheads. I believe that it's uh it's sort of on at the beginning of the movie Coneheads. And that's where I, I can I can tell you the second Bill and Ted movie uh, was shot at Vasquez Rocks as That's well. That's right, and they show that they show this episode in Bill and Ted's Bogus Journey, like briefly, just sort of like a, a connection. They do, yeah. Yes, yeah, you're right. So yeah, it, I forgot about it, that part. Like especially like in the early '90s, there was definitely like all this like romanticism uh, around original series and some of the more classic episodes, and this one being maybe one of the most prominent. Um, so, but uh, you know, Dad, you had suggested this episode. I have to imagine you're a fan. Of it, oh yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it reminds me of when I went to Disney with you guys at, at Universal Studios. Remember yeah, when we went and we saw the um, the um, Back to the Future, not Back to the Future, uh, the um, uh, Indiana Jones, and all the bombs are blowing up. Uh, all on the on the, you kind of sit there and watch the bombs blow up. It's like yeah, like the live action experiences yeah, that they yeah, do at yeah. Universal Studios uh, to get you into it. Yeah, yeah. Um, a lot. Yeah, a lot going on. Like I guess like the big the title of the episode is Arena because it's this fight between Gorn and uh, the Gorn, who I guess name who we never really learned, and Kirk because they're the captains of these two ships that are sort of in this conflict. But another big part of this episode is just the beginning and the whole Cestus Three incident and the massacre. That really kicks this story off, and uh, Kirk and his and his crew have arrived at Cestus Three, which is a colony they've established in a remote part of the galaxy, like on the edge of Federation space. Like this is a pretty far out deep space colony for them, and they get a call from the Commodore, who is apparently famous for his hospitality. That you 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 know, but uh, uh, that's what lures them to the the station. And once they beam down, they realize. No, the state. Everyone's dead. The place has been destroyed, and we gotta, we gotta find out what the hell happened here. So, uh, it's a great like opening. It really gets you going, Adam. Uh, what, 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 what's your thoughts on well on the opening, but just on the episode as well? In general? the episode, okay. So I had forgotten all about the Cestus Three opening, and again, that was really compelling. Got me into the episode right away. I'd for, like I said, I, I, I remembered the Gorn, the, the fighting scenes on wherever that was, Vesquez Valley very well but this opening was great like honestly you know you yeah. get, you know first of all they're joking oh the commodore he sets a good table i can't wait to get down there and get a real meal you know it's going to be fantastic and then it was like looking forward to that and to find out who this wife you know that guy that that commodore was coming down i was disappointed you know as says this is destroyed okay now what uh, you know, and then right into the bat, right into the action again. You know, they were they're under attack. The red shirts get killed. 
uh, it was it was good. It, to be fair, it, it's a red shirt, a, a gold shirt, and a blue shirt. But they're all tactical people, like because because right. the Gorn is pretending to be this Commodore in this phone call, yeah. and then he's like, "Bring back, bring down your best tactical people." I got so I got some problems. I need to to get them to chew on. But it's all a ruse. The Gorn are, have lured them here to, uh, I guess, probably to capture and interrogate those people. Yeah, and, you know the the one again. You know how I like inconsistencies um but it was you know as they're beaming down they beam down to a destroyed city and nobody figured that out before they were heading down but yeah they, they didn't scan down there was no it's kind of it is strange uh jody um we haven't gone to you yet your your thoughts uh on arena uh and this you know the, the whole setup of the episode and how it plays out uh this is one of the only episodes of star trek that i can remember where it actually starts good um, a lot of episodes are really dry to begin, and then <laughs> eventually they get into it. It's like a buildup. This episode just starts, and it and it starts well. Like it, it actually reminds me of like, you know, season three and season four of Next Gen because like they finally figured out that you have to kind of start an episode. You can't just kind of like wheeze into it. Um, overall, I I, lo- I love the episode. Uh, this is still one of my favorite ones. Uh, it's an iconic episode, as you mentioned, Dave. It's it's it's. Everything about it. Uh, the one thing I did learn uh, on the rewatch is that the voice of the Gorn is actually um, the guy who played uh, Lurch in the Adams Family TV I show. I didn't know that. I did. We had yeah. Yeah, the original that, though. Yeah. The original Lurch, Dad. Did you know that? No, I didn't know that. I remember. I, I, I might have took a fun fact from Jeff away, but <laughs> he looks like I had, he's. I had to take that one. I was excited. I was excited to find that out. Okay. Yeah. He'll deal with it. Yeah. You're you're a fan of the Adams Family, right? I am. Yeah. Fun fact, um, Jeff will carry on. Don't worry about this. I, I have no doubt in my mind. <laughs> Jeff, we'll go to you next. Jeff, what did you think of the green rubber suit that the Gorn wears? And the whole look of the Gorn? Uh, I, I got to remember here. One sec. Adam's like oh, okay. giving yeah. the evil eye to whoever is making the, all that noise the, in his house. The one thing that's noticeable is his eyes. His eyes are like diamonds. Yeah. It's yes. like he's basically yeah. wearing a big mascot suit he's wearing at the mall because he's like, you know, he's there for Raptor Day, maybe. Uh, <laughs> to... Brennan used to use that line on when he tried to pick up the girls at the golf club. He said, your father must be a, a jeweler because you got diamonds in your eyes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Ah. The Gorn, he's, he's the child of the jewelers. Yes. With his that was smooth. Eyes. I did notice I mean, that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. It's a bit. It's a kind of a ridiculous episode. I mean, but it's iconic. It but it's ridiculous, and but it's but it's also kind of like I don't know. It's Shatner getting to be the star of the show. I'm sure he loved that. Um, and the Gorn rubber suit. I think I have to imagine that was hot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Especially if you're running around like Vasquez Rocks, which is already like a pretty hot area. Uh, imagine, imagine being in that silicone or whatever the hell it was made out of rubber suit. That would have been brutal. Oh, brutal. Kirk throws a rock at him and it just hits him and falls down. Yeah, he doesn't even move him. Okay, but it it, it hit the Gorn's strength to me is wildly inconsistent because yes. at the very beginning they're having this fight, right? And and they eventually like they try to go at each other with sticks initially, <laughs> yeah. and, and they give up on the stick fight, and then they just they grow they grapple like two wrestlers, right? But, but Kirk's keeping up with him. But a moment later, Kirk's throwing rocks at him. Kirk is like throws boulders at him later, and I'm like, okay, so if he's and and then and the Gorn picks up an even bigger rock and throws oh, yeah. it at Kirk's head. So I'm like, if he's that strong, how was Kirk keeping up with the grappling? He wasn't. That's why it's convenient. <laughs> right. Yeah, nothing really makes sense. It's just. It's just like let's have fun well, with this. He was an underdog. I think you're missing the big point here, though. This is a season one episode, which is already like it's got marks against it, and it's like this is actually good. I I enjoy this. This is entertaining. Like that's what this is. This is entertainment. Yeah, it's, it's supposed to be like just let's see Kirk go go to battle with this big green rubber monster. I mean, and in the '60s, I'm sure it was like a like just the special effects alone were probably like, oh, this is so cool. Well, the special yeah. effects are weak in this episode. <laughs> Not for the '60s. I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, 
<laughs> that red filter thing where they kill the first uh, guy. Yeah. Yeah, that that was brutal. The Metrons. The Metrons. The, Metrons, yeah. the guy in the dress at the end with the silver yes. makeup, and um, he's like, "Hello, Captain Kirk." He's very, he's a fun guy. But um, I, Adam, have you, are you familiar with the with this new theory in Star Trek canon that the original series has to be taken with a grain of salt because perhaps Captain Kirk is an unreliable narrator? And that we can't necessarily accept uh, these episodes as as sort of they happen well, exactly. He's as an unreliable saw. father, I can tell you that. <laughs> well, that's neither here nor there. Sorry, Adam, I didn't mean to interrupt you there. That's okay. You know, listen, just like last week, what, what did we watch last week? I remember being iconic as well. Um, uh, last week we watched For the World is Hollow and I've Touched the Sky. No, maybe it was week before. Okay. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> you get these iconic mirror, 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 mirror was the week. Mirror, mirror. There it is. The ones oh, that amazing. that have set the tone for other Star Trek. I mean, or you know, or other popular culture, like you just mentioned, Coneheads or or Bill and Ted or whatever it might be. Um, you know, this episode to me was the prelude to Darmok, like in Next Gen. You know, this was, yep. you know, they they just took this episode and made it better in next gen you know and, and even thinking about mythbusters when they tried to make the canon to see whether they could blow oh yeah up. i was gonna bring up mythbusters yeah because yeah. i'm familiar with that episode too where they tested this whole this basically everything we see here the canon in particular yeah um but the, the, you know whether it's it's well canon again i i don't really care i think this is you know how we set the tone for what happened later in star trek so how can you you know, be critical against it, really, whether it's a costume that was obviously cheaply done, um, but still great. It was a great episode. You know, yeah. I, I I loved it. I, I think, you know, when you and then you go what it, what it created in the future, it's just like Mirror Mirror. What did it create in the future? And here we are 50, oh, was it 60 years later now talking about it? So, mm -hmm. well, and how many episodes of Star Trek has had Vasquez rocks in it? Like it's more than, I could you know, even like in the second season, they used it for an episode that we reviewed recently. They just used um, it in Star Trek Picard too. Like it was, yeah, they uh, used it in Picard. That's where Rafi lives. Uh, yes, that's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of the mirror um, universe, Jody. Um, yes. Did you when they later brought the Gorn back? Because we've only seen the Gorn on screen twice. Once in this, and and the other time they've been mentioned other times, but they've only been shown on screen again in Star Trek Enterprise in the mirror, the two-parter yes. where 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 Bakula fights the Gorn on the ship. Yes. Um. Was that a, an improvement on the rubber suit, or do you think the rubber suit is superior to that CGI Gorn we got in that episode? Uh, um, I don't like when they replace characters with full CGI. Uh, that always bothers me. Uh, but the, I, I think they got the essence of it. I think they were trying to make it cheesy. Like I think that, like Enterprise, a lot of people take it way too seriously. And if you actually watch it, like with a kind of, it's almost like a, a, a mini parody. Um, you actually kind of get a little bit more out of it, I find. So I don't know if they meant to do that, but I don't know. The scene where, where where Kirk launches the boulder off of the cliff, and then like <laughs> it's like a comedy, and like the yeah. Gord's like you know doing something. It's like uh, it's like a Wiley e. Coyote thing. Eh? Yeah, and the and the Gord just like goes, he, he's gonna bring out his Acme uh, Acme. Uh, okay, can I ask you guys a question though? Go back to when you saw this as a kid. Like mm -hmm. this was one of those episodes I remember being frightened by the Gorn and that whole, and just, I, I do, I, you know, I was only what seven or eight when I first saw it, I think. And uh, it just, it, it stood with me for years. And I did, like I said, I forgot the front, I forgot the, the front end of it. Uh, but I de definitely remembered being, you know, worried for Captain Kirk that something's going to happen to him here. And, mm -hmm. Yeah, I didn't really have the privilege of that because I started I started the original series with the movies essentially, and then yeah, yeah. at that point I went back and rewatched it. So I was already at an age where I don't think I would have been frightened of it anyway. But I can see how kids like, especially like if you're like you know seven or eight years old watching this episode, it could be frightening. And, and remember, I mean that's the way TV. Was. It's a creepy suit. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. And like to your point, Adam, it's kind of like Jason or Mike Myers before. Jason and Mike Myers, the big, slow, kind of dumb, um, opposable right. force, you know, that that just keeps coming, never stops. That's kind of like the they did that, you know, ten to fifteen years before or even Jason, you know, or whatever those characters. Yeah, well, not yeah, the Mike, more Mike Myers energetic. 
<laughs> I mean, he, that was 78 when that was, that came out. And that was again, a scary, scary guy. Yeah. Right. But like when I was a kid, like Hulk Hogan versus the undertaker, very scary. Right. Cause I already put him in the body bag. Right. And, um, uh, this the really thing about played... Hulk Hogan was that movie you made. Yeah. Well, <laughs> which one, Mr. <laughs> Nanny? Um, uh, no, the other one. Oh, oh, oh a suburban commando. When with, this with, was with... on, we were like yeah. 10 years old. Me and, I don't know. Adam, how old were you? Uh, well, I, I wasn't born when this was on, but oh, okay. I watched it when I was eight. So, um, yeah, so I was 10 years old, so I could get scared by this because it was real. It was real. Yeah, I could, I could see that. Yeah. Yeah, I could. I oh, could for sure. I, I, I'm not taking away from it. I just think, like, watching it tonight, especially where Kirk is trapped under this rock because after he throws the rock, he, he like, falls, hurts his ankle or whatever. He's, he's kind of trapped and he's kind of, he's at, the Gorn has him. But it plays really like a wrestling, like a professional wrestling, because he's like, uh, and he's yeah, going for the, the stab, really like to finish slow. him off. Really slow, real, like incredibly slow. But like, but the difference is that when I watched this when I was ten, I didn't have uh, you know, Enterprise and all those other versions of Star Trek to compare to. This was it. This was yeah. all we well, had. This was this, this is what it is, right? That's what it is. Yeah. yeah. And, and the other thing about this, it was kind of unKirk-like to give him. You know, to not finish him off and kill him. Um, you know. Well, and even if you even if you look at the beginning of the show, like it, you know, when they're getting attacked by the uh, the vessel that they don't know, and you know, Sulu's up up in the ship, and you know, Kirk is down there with the communicator, and he's like, he's like, fire all phasers, and it's like you don't even know what the fuck's going on yet. You're, you're already firing phasers, and then it's like two seconds later, he's like, oh, no, arm the torpedoes. Yeah, the same thing. My God, like so yeah. he's demanding from the ground, really. Yeah, he's, he's like he's like Sulu, you're in charge, but shut the fuck up and listen to me. It's like, uh, yeah, it's like awesome. fire the phasers, Sulu. And Sulu's just kind of like, I would have loved it if there was like an eye roll or something going on. Like, oh <laughs> fucking Kirk, you know? Sorry, we can't hear you, Captain. We're going to be dealing with this alone. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Is uh, uh, communicators going out? Yeah. I'm the captain. <laughs> oh, Dave, Dave, I have a question about oh, uniforms. Why does Kirk's uniform appear yellow in the outdoors when I thought it was the lights that turned his his uniform from green to yellow? Good question. Uh, it's just the sign also has that same effect. It's the material of that of that um, that they used for those shirts. It just okay, looks... I, I, I missed something. Are you telling me that the uniforms are supposed to be green? The yeah, command... they are in real they life. Green. They are green. Really. Yeah, that's yeah. why the that's why the dress uniform and his wraparound is green because it was all supposed to be green. If you look even at the bridge, it's green, blue, and red lights everywhere. Like those were that was supposed to be the color scheme, but because uh, it looked gold even under the sun, it, it depends if there's like you. I saw you saw in like shore leave. You if they were in like the shadows a little bit, you could see it was green or a couple times. Well, but, it had a little bit more of a tint of green. Yeah, I yeah, it, it's it a very like green, drab but, green. It's not a yeah. it's not a bright green. But um, I learned a long time ago to never argue with you when it comes to uniforms because you obviously are the master at that. Well, I, I know about the uniforms. Yes, uh, you do. You're yeah. very knowledgeable yeah. in all the uniforms in the Star Trek universe, right. even the Gorn uniforms, which I thought were even the Gorn. <laughs> yes, uh, with his. Uh, well, we only see him in one his his thing. But I wanted to get to the okay, Dad. What was the moral of this story? The moral, um, I guess. I don't know if there's a moral, I guess, but. Um, you know, it was kind of a two people, two cultures fighting. So they put the two captains together and mm -hmm. they fought to the death with these Metrons kind of looking it over. But, uh, you know, good over evil, I guess, is the way you want to look at it. And, uh, you know, it's kind of what it came down to. Does anyone else want to respond? I think it's like just because your foe is bigger, stronger than you doesn't mean you can't find a way to overcome insurmountable odds if you have ingenuity and smarts and you you use your team to your advantage and those are the type of things. I think it's also like a big metaphor for like I feel like the Gorn kind of represents like Russia, like the big big Russian bear kind of thing and you know, I think they're kind of going for that kind of a metaphor. That's that's what I get anyway. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on that one, Jeff. I, I think there was obviously, you know, the time that this was made, clearly you could you could you could call up those two things and bring them together. It wouldn't be that hard to figure it out. Um, but I think I think the real moral of the story is that when Kirk's not on the ship, it's more effective. <laughs> I think that's really what it is. 
Sulu should have always been in charge. Okay, and so far, so far, like I think you've made some points, but I, uh, I, I don't. It's it, not the one I got from it. So, Adam, um, any thoughts? <clears throat> I, I thought, you know, this sets up the, the Star Trek sort of moral uh, code. You know, the, the, the Federation doesn't kill it. it, it well, it, yeah, correct. And just just on the point that you're saying, though, uh, is this the first time that they mentioned the Federation? No. Are no, you sure? I so. Well, okay. I, I'm not 100 percent, but I'm. this is late in season one. Sorry, nope. you just mentioned it, Adam. I just yeah. came in my head and I'm just one of those guys. Anyway, go ahead. Continue. Sorry. Yeah, I, I just think this, you know, like I was saying about the moral code and, and what what Starfleet and what the Federation's about is is inclusion. And and we, we talk, we, we dialogue and, you know, we'll get to the bottom of this and we'll be friends. And I think that's that, you know, started it off really well. And that's what I was, I was saying it's like on Kirk, like to, to actually preserve, you know, his, their life, um, but not on Star Trek like. Well, I think you actually made a really good point earlier, Adam, where you're talking about how this is kind of like an influence to like later episodes, like the Darmok episode, uh, where you kind of, you can't always assume that you don't know what the, you, you know what the enemy is thinking and, it, communication really is key really yeah. is what it comes down to communication should always come first and you know once he started understanding what was going on it was a little bit different i guess but still yeah right like to me it, yeah it was it was that kirk kind of didn't react to this in in the proper way i think that he got like obviously like yeah people were massacred they were tricked into coming and he says to spock we're the only police out here we and a crime's been committed, and we have to go out. This box objecting. He's like, we don't know why they attacked. We don't know things. We don't have mm -hmm. enough information to really understand what happened here. And if you recall, there was that guy in the sick bay, the one guy that they are they're able to, to, to save. He's like, he, who's his performance? I gotta say, woo. Uh, he's like, why did they do it? Why did they do it? Ah! You know, he's just, uh, uh, you know, <laughs> I told them, I told them, they didn't care. It's, you know why why you know and so kirk's really ramped up after that and and i, I think that they're right to be horrified and, and mystified by the whole thing and want to sort of find out what what happened because they've been attacked but um what that that anger and that that need for revenge gets the gets catches the eyes of the metrons who are way more powerful and they go mm -mm, you know and and i think if kirk had killed that gorn they would have just killed both ships like i think that's kind of what the metrons were sort of intending um yeah the metrons they, they, are almost kind of like the q entities in in next gen like to a degree like they're they they want to see how things play out you know yeah I mean? they're, like they're they're, they're very watchers. powerful and they yeah. they consider themselves to be more civilized i do question that if they're if they're kind of like threatening to kill people because they're not as civilized and that, that by definition is not civilized but um that that don't shoot and ask questions later. Ask questions and then shoot if you need to. You know, I think is really the, the story here. Like because when you're he not spares the to just Gorn, fire all phasers all the time. You're not supposed to just <laughs> fire phasers all the time. Oh, okay. Like you're you're supposed to like it's that that's that's you're supposed to be better than that. Is I think yeah. what I was supposed to, was getting from this. Um, no, it's a very good point. Any like do you, do you guys agree? I agree with that. I do agree with that. <clears throat> One thing that coming back to the episode itself, though, is you know how the uh, the Gorn could hear, understand what Kirk was saying. I never saw that the other way. Did you know? You know, Kirk's narrating. You know, I've, you know, I think I'm going to lose. You know, I'm 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 not in good shape. He's he's stronger and better than me. But meanwhile, the Gorn's hearing all this. But. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it hadn't really occurred to me when you before you had said it at the top of the episode that this is sort of like the well that that Darmok, which is an episode from the Next Generation, where Picard and this alien have to like learn to talk to each other because they just can't communicate. Um, and this is sort of like yeah, that's sort of the spiritual successor of this episode that that understanding and sort of open your your uh, yourself to other ways of thinking, putting yourself in the enemy's shoes. Uh, or you know, someone you, you you're not able to at least communicate with, um, mm -hmm. make makes a big difference because I think this whole exercise it's not even a fight it's 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 a it's a it's a lesson by the Metrons to both species that you know that it, they both acted sort of foolishly, um, right? And and there was no pausing to to get into the fight. You know, I mean, they basically said whoever lasts or whoever kills the other guy, you know, uh, wins. 
right? Yeah. So there was no there was no pause at the beginning. They just got right into it. They started with the the wrestling, like you said, um, well the sticks that were breaking, um, but. It, there was no pause and, and you know even even picard like you know coming back to darmok which was one of my favorite episodes of next gen by the way you know it was i'm not going to fight you i'm putting down the knife and, and that's the way it is let's figure this out right yeah like let's be better than that it's not just but about that, yeah sorry go ahead. yeah I, I wouldn't i wouldn't say kirk is a very diplomatic character to begin with though like it, no. it you know, a lot of people say this, and I don't know where they're getting it from because he's not all that diplomatic. He's he's kind of action first and then consequence. Right. Uh, he just he doesn't bother to think about the consequences when he just starts. He just starts right. Like Which we've seen why, that on many of the episodes we've even reviewed. Yeah. Um, why he needs Spock. You know, so. Well, I yeah. think yeah, and I think in next gen, I think the dynamics flipped. I think Riker. Uh, Riker is the one that runs in more. Yeah. He's more, and, and you also have Worf in there too, right? So they're kind of yeah. playing that like, let's shoot first and ask questions later. And then you got like Picard, Data, and the others who are more like intellectual, I guess, or more like, no, let's let's consider that there's other thoughts or other possibilities. And that's that's uh, there's more than one way to solve a problem too, you know? Yeah, um, it's a, it's the universal constant of just because you don't you don't understand the situation doesn't mean you do understand the situation like you you have to kind of dig a little deeper if you're not getting it you know so maybe that's what he should have did <laughs> did anyone else get uh, feelings of uh you know because we watched Aaron of mercy many weeks ago which was the one where the, the klingons had taken over that planet on organia um if you recall i don't like know if the, i was on that one i don't know if you were on that one but that's one where they you know it's like the federation of the klingons are about to go to war and then they they go to Organia and they think that they're the, the, that planet of like sort of like like shepherds and farmer people like peaceful, but they ended up being a very advanced species. And they end up oh, I know this episode, yeah, okay. with Core. It's the original episode with Core. We did it a few weeks ago. I don't know if ever yeah, who was I wasn't there. on it, but I know what episode you're talking about. Yeah. yeah, and so again, like you have this advanced species getting involved again to interfere in war. It's like another. It's another. Um, Thing they've done it's and they're both in the first season of this show like, those are raptors right? games guys uh, it's, <laughs> it's uh they're down by uh nine uh oh what quarter are you in second quarter second i got quarter. plenty of time oh yeah that's a time basketball is back and forth just when we get a basket you get a basketball, basketball only counts when you get to the fourth yeah. <laughs> like last two minutes of the fourth. Who played, the, who played the uh, the Klingon in that episode again? What was it? John Colicos? Was that the one? John or was John, that... John Colicos. Yeah. Um, he he. Actually, I was watching Battlestar Galactica, the original 1978 version, and he was loose uh, Baltar. Oh yeah. Was he the original? Yeah, yeah. That's right. That makes sense. Yeah, he's the original Baltar before, yeah. not the not the 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 british version we would get later but uh in the reboot yeah okay i've never put that together that he was on part of both shows and then of course he he reprised the role of core i think three or four times on d space nine yeah. um yeah so. which one am i supposed to supposed to hate is it this one or babylon five uh babylon five okay you would like battle star sure the, the rebooted battle star i bet, I bet. <laughs> oh it's fantastic fantastic uh why did we just get a thing that says ban tiktok hey there's a campaign going i guess i don't know uh, oh, I don't okay. use TikTok, yeah. so I, right. I, I don't have the right to ban it, though. So, um, <laughs> unfortunately, it is out of our power. Out of my <laughs> or anybody else's here's power, but uh, you can, you can, you can. I don't know who it. Lars Janice is, but we appreciate your comment, even we though we don't comment. understand it. Okay, so we haven't talked about this, but the way that Kirk defeats the Gorn, the cannon that he makes out of bamboo and <laughs> these minerals he finds around the potassium. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, so good. So amazing. Like so ridiculous. Like it is ridiculous. Yeah. It brings it brings me back to this whole unreliable narrator theory of Kirk. That he's like, Yeah, I made a cannon out of bamboo. Well, you can't make a cannon out of bamboo. <laughs> Where the fuck are you? On fucking Gilligan's <laughs> Island? Like maybe a pipe. Fuck? Maybe if you found a like a metal pipe that size, uh, but yeah. uh, don't tell Kirk what he can't do. That's true. Don't tell me what did. I can't do. Never tell him the odds. It's an amazing. That's for like, something else, I think. They're watching on the Enterprise Bridge. Spock is watching it. He's like, no, that, if I'm not best. mistaken, 
that is potassium nitrate. How can you tell that from looking at it? Yeah, like, how can you just look at something and know what that is? Smart. You guys don't have the fucking common sense to scan the goddamn planet before you jump down. But yet you know that's potassium nitrate or whatever just from viewing it. <laughs> He's a smart Vulcan. Take his word for it. The All sulfur, right. the coal, the diamonds, I'll give you. I'll give you. But potassium nitrate is a very specific compound to visually identify i don't know does it just does it just come out of rocks like that like out of the sides of do, do all any of these things just like yes pour... they just sit there in the middle of the california desert that's what they do <laughs> and you just hope that a windstorm doesn't put them all together because right. then it'll be chaos <laughs> fire starting this is it you found the fire theory that's why all these goddamn wildfires start it's all that around. <laughs> I do like the whole like he has to be clever. He has to like come up with the cannon, and he that's yeah, how, he's got the whole MacGyver the whole thing problem going on. solving aspect of it. I appreciate, yeah. but like they they tested this on MythBusters, and it was worth testing because it's not obviously known. But Adam, I know you've seen this episode uh, in question. First of all, you can't just like pour those compounds into a little bucket and shake it up, you know, and, like with a slap chop or whatever, and then make gunpowder. It's a little more it's a little more involved than that um to to combine those those are the ingredients of gunpowder or black powder but um it's more of a you got to grind it up more fine i think or is that right is that get that as i recall um from the episode yeah. and the other thing was too that so he gets the piece of bamboo and his it, it does blow up like he, it's like a, it's a it, it's a one-shot cannon but he uses this rope to reinforce it uh like around like he wraps the rope around it yeah. or the vine or whatever he finds um and why is yeah. all this stuff just sitting there well the metrons put it there oh that's right yeah let me okay. ask you this is this on earth no so is it earth bamboo it's on a, it's mm. on an asteroid right so True. how do you know that it's the same level of density and strength as earth bamboo well you yeah. assume I, you assume the metroids or metrons or whatever they are uh, the they know here. yeah uh, we have a know. there's a fun talk with Jeff that will deal with this exact topic. Excellent. I can't wait. Okay. It's it's space bamboo, which is as strong as steel. Is that what you're saying? Very well, very the, yes, we will space bamboo. Really you don't want to give it away. Like this <laughs> is a whole segment. This is a whole segment we're gonna dive into. Yeah. I already stole one of his fun facts, so I don't want to go too far. Actually, I think your fun fact wasn't in my fun facts. Really? Oh I fun fact Jeff. I actually did that the other night too. Oh, excellent! Yeah, like, like, like you know, um, I guess we just have to suspend disbelief for some of the more outrageous parts of this episode. I'm not saying I don't like it. I'm just saying it's uh, oh, it's silly. It's, it's totally silly, but you know what? It's still entertaining. It's yeah. It's you can't tell me you didn't have a smile on your face while you were oh, watching. I did. I did. Yeah, I enjoyed this immensely. Exactly. Like so, I did. Yeah, it did what it was supposed to do, which is entertain. I yeah. find the Gorn funny. He kept making me laugh. Yeah, every time I this saw the Gorn, this is your like, opponent. <laughs> <laughs> the I hissing. Know. I like that the remaster version. Oh, did we lose oh. Adam? Lost somebody. Uh, the yeah. remaster version. They added the blinking on his little diamond eyes. Well, we lost Adam. Yeah, I have the blinking one because I watched the remaster. They didn't do much with that guy getting vaporized, though. No, he got vaporized. He he still looked the same. Because I remember watching this episode ages ago in the non-remastered. It was pretty much the same thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, he says, Captain, I see something. And he's dead. Yep. He's and Kirk goes right to where he was. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, you just saw a guy get vaporized in front of you. It's a good idea to just walk over there, then. McGeehan or something. What's that? Uh, His name was like McGeehan or something. It was a strange... Yeah, it was something like that, yeah. His name is... It was Brent, Harrison, and Travers, maybe, or something like that. Harrison, maybe. William Blackburn. That's oh, that's the lurch who played the Gorn. He, oh, okay, I know this guy. Okay, yeah. yeah. Oh, there's he's Adam tall Stern. as shit. There we go. There go. There's Adam. Yeah. Hey. Don't grab it. No worries. <clears throat> so. I think we talked about everything that's in the actual episode. I think we're good to go to fun facts, but if anyone else had a thought or a note from the episode, uh, you know, chime in. If not, let's keep moving. Jeff, you got your fun facts. Okay, here we go. 
Fun fact number one, William Shatner <laughs> that. currently suffers from tinnitus due to an improperly timed special effect explosion on the set of this episode. Both Leonard Nimoy and DeForest Kelly reportedly suffered from tinnitus as well during the remainder of their lives. Tinnitus? Yeah, what tinnitus is, is ringing in your ears. Yeah, I have it. Yeah. But it was from oh, yeah? installing car stereos when I was young. Well, there you go. So you have that in common with uh, the Holy Trinity of the original series there. Oh, there you go. Well, it's it's not really that bad, but mine isn't anyway, but maybe his is worse. The Gorn, number two. Gorn is not seen until 23 minutes into this episode, almost halfway through the running time. Despite this alien's yeah. impressive debut and the cultural popularity of the image, no Gorn was ever seen again in a mainstream Star Trek production until Enterprise in a Mirror Darkly, part two. Almost 40 years later, a Gorn yeah, did CGI appear. Gorn, that a Gorn yeah. did appear in Star Trek the Animated Series, The Time Trap, but this is considered non-canonical. Gorn, but not forgotten. <laughs> well, the Animated Series is canon now. Yeah, Animated Series is canon. Well, not according Maybe to my not fun fact. Then, but... All right, well, well although... I, won't, I won't argue your fun fact. Uh, <laughs> Star Trek number three. Although it was non-intentional... Desilu's research department realized that Gene L. Kuhn's screenplay strongly resembled a novella of the same name by Frederick Brown. To deal with this difficulty, Brown was telephoned about the matter, and he agreed to a writer's fee and was offered an official credit for the story. Yeah. So they kind of ripped off the whole story. Just, just. Uh, well, they never acknowledged that they ripped it off, but they, but they did. It was too close, I guess. Yeah. Uh, fun fact number four. This is, episode is the first to establish that the Enterprise's cruising speed is warp six. Yeah, they're not consistent with the warp speeds because I think a couple episodes ago they were like, go to warp 12. And I'm like, that's not a thing. Like, you know. Well, and I always thought that the restriction was warp five. But I well, could be wrong. Like in Enterprise, which is the NX01, I mean, um, that the NX01 was locked at five. At five. So yeah. the Enterprise 1701 can only go like barely two factors higher yeah i guess that makes sense yeah that's the cruising speed cruising speed yeah yeah so, and in enterprise they didn't do that all the time it was like a once in a while thing uh okay so this was the first episode that photon torpedoes were used oh introduction so of phasers weren't working he's like phasers have no effect go to photon torpedoes yeah and then sulu just like shoots out a bunch of them too Wonder where they decided that photon torpedoes were the the name. Like, what what makes them? What makes photon torpedoes so good? They're photonic. Well, they're torpedoes. Know. Like, come on, <laughs> photonic. Photon. Like, what more do you need to know here, Adam? I don't, I don't get it. What's the photon? Like, what is a photon? I, I thought a photon is. Well, I know what a photon is. A photon is a light. Um, I know what a photon. It's light, essentially. It's okay. essentially light. Yeah. I'm gonna look this up now. Okay. Yep. Uh, but you bring in your own molecule of light. Te uh, so as previously mentioned, Ted Cassidy, who was from the Lurch from the Adams family, has his final Star Trek role as the voice of the Gorn. Cassidy also voiced the antagonist in Star Trek: The Corbinite Maneuver, which I think we've already covered oh, here on. I didn't know that. On uh, Live Long. Oh, and he's like Captain Kirk. You will die in ten minutes. Yes. Yes. This is why I enjoy fun facts with Jeff. And I he also appeared as Rock in Star Trek. What are little girls made of? Which aired in reverse order as compared to their filming dates. Isn't that next week's episode, Adam? No, we're doing Miri next. Which one? Oh, Miri. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Okay, fun fact number whatever it is. The Metrons <laughs> were named after Metatron, God's other uh, high-ranking soldier in Michael's army of angels. Hence their cherubic spiritual appearance oh okay. i love it <laughs> alan rickman Arabic, sure. alan rickman eventually played one <laughs> yes alan they should have got alan rickman uh young young uh, he was a yeah. little boy when this came out uh wa chang designed and built the gorn suit its clothing was designed by william ware face uh, actually, two suits were made, worn by stuntman Bobby Clark and Gary Combs. Also, William Blackburn wore the Gorn head for close-ups. After production finished on the episode, the two Gorn costumes were placed in Robert H. Justman's office, one dressed up to look like a girl, to scare unsuspecting visitors. <laughs> what? Well, right, that gets put to your theory earlier about how like people were scared of it. Yeah, it's for scary. sure. Uh, yeah, I don't understand why he doesn't bite Gord when those Kirk with those teeth when he's got him in the grapple. Uh, for all you know, they're really soft teeth. Yeah. Not okay. not what I know from Enterprise. 
No, this is true. Okay, so this one's going to be a little long. Uh, okay, so the fourth set on Cessus 3, retouched here with uh, science fiction trappings and location science, can be seen in several early episodes of The Wild Wild West. Most prominently, The Wild Wild West, The Night of the Sudden Plague. It is also an important part of the coincidentally titled Mission Impossible called Trek. 1967. This set was directly adjacent to Vasquez Rocks, so close that in Bat Masterson's Dagger Dance 1961, both the four and the distinctive peaks of Vasquez, Vasquez Rocks appear in the same shot. In some shots, Vasquez Rocks can be seen from the set in Arena itself. The fourth set plays a major role in Bonanza alias Joe Cartwright 1964. The fort's walls and crenellations are clearly visible throughout the episode. The Vasquez Rocks area is used for the traveling segments back and forth to town. According to Eddie Par Paskey's website, it is also used for Bo, Bo Jest 1939. According to Jerry L. Schneider's Vasquez Rocks webpage on movie making locations, the fort was built in the mid 1950s for the television show Tales of the 77th Bengal Lancers, 1956, from Screen Gems, a Columbia Pictures subsidiary erected at a cost of. $117,000. The set was torn down several years later after the filming of Arena, and the area is a parking lot across uh, from the Vasquez Rocks natural area. Ooh, that was a long one. That was a long one. Wow, you gotta take a breath after that one. Yeah, that was a long one. You, you're allowed Ooh. to take pauses between sentences, just so you know. Uh, but yeah. Somebody get this man a Gatorade. He's an athlete. Wiki, wiki, wow, wow. No. What was it? Wild Wild West was a show in the '60s about the West, about the like the Wild West, of, like cowboys and Indians type thing, right? But there was a space, uh, a space connection to it. Kind of like, like I'm not quite sure. I cowboys and aliens that movie. Uh, kind of like what um, Daniel Craig made that. Yeah, cowboys that's it. And cowboys and uh, cowboys and aliens. Yeah. Okay, so the colony where the story opens is called Cestus Three, a name which foreshadows the main theme. A Cestus was a Roman boxing glove fitted out with deadly weapons such as spikes and used for by gladiators in the arena. So that's kind of what it's named after. So there you go. I wonder go. if they use cannons out of bamboo. As long as they reinforce with rope in their space bamboo, it will work. <laughs> they really like going to the old Roman. You're very like, bitter. <laughs> like the Roman history for Star Trek. Oh yeah. Yeah, well there's a lot of Roman references. Even this uh Metron looks like a sort of from Rome or something like that. Greece. Yeah. The uh okay. Sorry. Uh so this telepay was credited to an original story by Frederick Brown, also titled Arena, that was first published in 1944 on the pages of Astounding Science Fiction magazine. Uh though Robert H. Justman and Herbert F. Solo wrote inside Star Trek The Real Story that Gene L. Kuhn wrote a script as an original over the course of a weekend, unaware of Brown's story and only sought permission to adapt the story after the slight similarities were pointed out to him. It was a happy coincidence, basically. Brown was more than happy to hear that Star Trek uh, decided to use one of his stories and probably never found out the real plot behind it. <laughs> I'm going to call bullshit on that, but anyway. Yeah. That's probably yeah. bullshit. That's, uh, quite, that's quite a coincidence. That is quite a coincidence. Uh, yeah. Star Trek Deep Space Nine Family Business relates that by 2371, Terran colonists were once again living on Cestus Three, suggesting that the Federation and the Gorn ho homogeny made peace after Kirk's experience. The Gorn hegemony. Hegemony. Sorry, the hegemony. Yes. Um, and Either in Star way, Trek would, Nine, Jeff, word. a game we play, the Gorn are also featured. Uh, but they've been conquered by the Klingon Empire in that story. Uh, right? Star Trek members. Online. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and just one more thing: the woman or the person who plays the Metron is actually a woman, uh, Carol uh, really? Barry. Carol Lynn Barry. She also played an engineer on the Next Generation's uh, first season episode, Home Soil, as well. Hmm. Okay. So. A piece of crinkled stone wall, which was black aluminum foil, was placed at the top of the frame to hide the California landscape with homes that would have otherwise been seen in one of the very wide shots of the fort. The remastered version of this episode corrects this error by rendering a CGI landscape in place of the foil. Hmm. I, 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 I don't remember the original for that. 
I'd rather have the original stuff just to see how ridiculous the special effects were. <laughs> Unfortunately, Netflix doesn't allow us to see the originals anymore. So. Yeah. Cessus 3 was a globe of the Earth previously in Star Trek Miri, which were, is that what we're doing next week? Yeah, yeah right. Miri. Printed backwards and tinted a hazy orange. You got, you got to reuse things. You got to reuse things. Yeah, reuse things. Hey, season Perfect one, talent. man. What do you want? In the 1970s, the Mego Toy Company produced a Gorn action figure doll. However, I've seen it. I've seen it. However, I had one. I, I, I wish I could. I'm sure I had one. I wish really? I had one. Yeah. Neat. So, however, unlike the TV character, the toy was dressed in the same costume used for the Klingon doll. Also, the head was the same one used for the Marvel Comics doll, the Lizard. Except the <laughs> head was molded brown to match the costume. He fought Spider-Man later on. He was, you know, you know, doing a lot of different things. Um, that Gorn gets around, man. Yeah. So the Gorn in the Klingon outfit, basically, is what you're saying. I think I've I've seen a picture of this somewhere. I oh here it is. Well, let's be honest. It's it's not that far of a stretch, really, compared no. to his original outfit. So okay. And so in the original script, Kirk and the alien captain's battleground had translucent walls, making it seem as though they were in a giant terranium. That would have been cool. That would have been cool. It would have like made that. sense for Arena, too, for sure. Mm -hmm. Okay, so to the aforementioned bamboo cannon. Okay. <laughs> the creation of the diamond cannon was tested on Mythbusters, Mini Myth Mayhem in 2009, and deemed implausible the mythbusters proved that making black powder was tricky and required specific amounts of each ingredient and could not be made simply by dumping things together also the bamboo cannon could not withstand the blast and would have killed kirk however it's it's been suggested that the wood on the metron planet may have had different properties this latter idea is born out of the paperback adaptation of arena by james blish and a Possibly according to the original script, the bamboo on the Metron planet was different. It was as hard as iron. Hitting it with a rock even produced a distinct, distinctly metal clank. Perhaps it picked up iron from the soil as horsetails picked up calcium from oxalate. Or some prairie grasses picked up selenium. This would probably have rendered a different outcome than the Mythbusters had. We're going to go with Star Trek convenience again. That's really good. That explains it all. Explains we can't go to the asteroid planet and get the asteroid, like the asteroid bamboo. You we'll can't prove this. You can't prove this. You're right. You can't unprove it either. It, That's true. In Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Trials and Tribulations, Captain Sisko admits to Jadzia Das that he would have loved to have met Kirk and asked him about fighting the Gorn on Cestus Three. So you get that same reference. He didn't fight. Well, he sort of fought the Gorn on Cestus Three, but he more fought the Gorn on this Metron thing. Um, yeah, on the asteroid. His fight with the Gorn, they never even saw each other. They only he fired that one grenade at them and then they ran away. Right. Okay, so uh, phasers prove ineffective against the Gorn ship. So Kirk gives the order to arm the photon torpedoes, marking the first naming of that weapon in this series. Sulu says they get off a full discharging of photon torpedo banks in this <laughs> episode, which constitutes only two shots, and they are a red globular discharge discharge that fire from the glowing dome under the saucer. They hadn't worked at the Kings yet. Okay. I've got I've got the definition of a photon torpedo here if you want it. Okay, yeah. Okay. Since we just did that one, that would be a good time. All right. Photon torpedoes are metal ca casings that suspend positrons, which is a form of antimatter that reacts violently with electrons. Electrons in an in an, in a magnetic field. Uh, the magnetic field collapses on impact and brings the antimatter with normal uh, into contact with normal matter and then explodes. Oh, so, so, it's kind of like so bamboo cannon basically okay gotcha <laughs> yes is those blue those blue bombs that kirk they had this little sort of like kind of a bazooka and they're yep. firing off those blue like bombs oh, they were like what were they the bomb that they blew up they were like motors they were like um they were like like almost like a nuclear missile it was a grenade launcher yeah. um it's a more or a mortar, um, and it's power. It's twenty third century. They're not little ones. Like there was enough. They right. That's why he runs out into that field and he does his little acrobatics so he can get to that armory. But his hair is still perfect, and that's what's important. Hair is perfect. It's always important. 
the History Channel shows how William Shatner changed the world. Saw William Shatner return to Vasquez Rocks in a sports car and revisit some of those very rocks where he battled the Gorn. So there you go. I saw that show. It was good. The word arena for a sports or combat facility is taken from the Latin or Spanish word for sand, the main ingredient of the surface where gladiators fought. <laughs> right. Jeff, you forgot about Jay and Silent Bob connection. What's the Jay and Silent Bob connection? In Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, um, the scene where they're in the diner, right? And uh, they say that they're gay and that the, the orangutans are their son. Um, they uh, that's at the arena diner because they, they shot that at Vasquez Rocks. Oh, there you yeah. go. I didn't know that. Yeah, there's a fun fact from Dave. Fun facts, it's fun facts coming from everywhere. I, 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 want... I actually feel bad because I don't think I provided one, but everybody else did. Uh, oh, I did the lurch one earlier. Okay, you got more, I Jeff? Think We've all done one now. Yeah, I got a lot more. Actually, you got more. I got all right. Bobby Clark, one of the performers who played the part of the Gordon Captain, visited a Star Trek soundstage 38 years later after filming uh, the the scene with Captain Archer, where he fought the Gorn Slar in uh, episode in a Mirror Darkly Part Two. That that episode was the first appearance of the Gorn, you know, in Star Trek since that episode. Uh, we already mentioned that though. Harold, the outpost only survivor, wears the recycled uniform worn by. Commander Hansen in Star Trek Balance of Terror. Remember Hansen? I remember Hansen. How can you forget? Which one's Hansen? He's the one that, that gets killed by the Romulans uh, on screen uh, in the Balance of Terror. And he's like, oh, okay. no! And he like kind of like, like the thing's blowing up with him, but through the yeah. view screen. It's, it's, I know uh, what you're talking about, yeah. Enterprise. There are so many fun facts about the weapons on the Enterprise, in, you know, like, which they're getting a little monotonous here because it's just like there's this like, oh my god, it's, it says a full discharge of the phaser banks from an unusual location in this episode. It's just like they didn't know what they were doing yet. So yeah, because it's shot from the uh, um the bottom observation area. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I did notice that, in, even in the uh, reworked one. This was the first episode to be broadcast in color by the BBC when it was first shown in the UK in November 1969. So there you go, guys. Oh, that, that's very interesting. Color was a big thing when it came in. When it was invented. Yes, they had to invent the color. Everyone's in black and white before. Until 1971. Changed the world. Right. The word metron means instrument of change in Greek. The name of the planet Cestus III refers to the gladi uh, gladiatorial combat. A Cestus is a type of boxing glove. We already mentioned that. So uh, they're, they're taken from Rome, Greece. They're, they're, going, they're going all over the place. Whatever they can find, they're throwing it in. It's pretty, pretty consistent in the original series, though. There was a lot of Greek and Greek, yeah. Italian and other influences. Yeah. This is the first episode to make a reference to Starfleet. When Kirk makes an entry All right, into, so Starfleet, not Federation. Okay. Into, into the recorder given by the Metrons, he asks that whoever finds it, please get it to Starfleet. So, so he, Star they weren't called Starfleet before this? The Federation is like the big country, I guess, and Starfleet would be like the army. The Federation's the group. Starfleet is the human version. Yeah, Federation's the state. The, the human wing of the Federation. Okay. It's, yeah, it's the exploration I military. Starfleet was just like the, like the army. Well, it's, Starfleet is is the explorer wing. It's not. Federation. It's not an official military. Uh, it's no. a. It's it's a it's a it's a it's a paramilitary. It they have a, a a defense role in the Federation, but they're not a military group. They're an explorer. They so basically, the ranks and all the. If you, if you compare this to the Korean War, they would be the U.S. Well, like, look at NASA. They have a mission commander. They're but he's not, They're not. He's dwarf. not in the military. He's uh, the mission commander, and you you have a you can have a rank structure on a mm -hmm. spaceship without it being military. The reason that they don't wear like the, like the Kirk doesn't wear um, like four stripes on his on his on his sleeve is because Roddenberry made a conscious effort not to make them the military. Or to not make them feel like the true yeah. navy. Um, okay, fair enough. They, they, it feels awfully a lot like the navy. And you know, in the, and I think on most Star Trek, whether it be Enterprise or watching me on Enterprise, but Next Gen or even Future, they're always challenging. When we when we, remember when we were explorers and we didn't have to to do this kind of thing, you know, didn't have to patrol the neutral zone. So it was always. You know, looked upon as a bad thing to be the military or to you know mundane roles. 
right? Yeah, and that's kind of what Enterprise really jumped on that because Enterprise was like, yeah, we're not we're not here to police. We're just kind of here to explore, and you know, we're not going to get involved right. in your shit half the time. And half yeah, the time they, they got involved anyway, but. You know, and the Makos, the Makos, the, remember the, 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 they had the Makos on the Enterprise, right? And yeah. they were the military, but Starfleet was not the military, exactly. Yeah, the Makos were kind of like the the Section Thirty One kind of they were guys. Like the Marines, degree, but... they were little, yeah, they were, they were like more... the Marines. That's a very good example. Yeah, Marines. Yes, and Section Thirty One's like the CIA, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the, so, okay, where is it? Uh, the, although the recipe for gunpowder has varied according to time and location, its usual composition is by mass is 75% potassium nitrate, which Spock can just identify. You can just identify by sight. 10% sulfur, which is that yellow stuff that was. Uh, he he was, was using more than 10%. He was using a lot more than 10%. And 15% charcoal, or carbon. Or coal. Or coal. Same thing. Uh, this is the first episode to establish the existence of a federation. The word was first used in Star Trek the Corbinite Maneuver as First Federation, but it was the the name of Balak's organization. This episode refers to the Federation, which was fully named later in Star Trek A Taste of Armageddon. So, Jody, you were correct uh, once again. Kind so, of, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. 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 So the Federation, United Federation of Planets, is not said yet. No. It's just, they no. just say the Federation. Uh, instead of First Federation, they had said did that. They even, the did they even reference United Federation of Planets in the original series? They yeah. do once, like, they they do, eh? an episode that we watched with the Tellarites and the Andorians, and they were all hanging out. You're they, right. They mentioned yeah. them in that episode. I remember that's that not until yeah. the second season, though. Yeah. Yeah. First season, they didn't, but yeah. Second season, yeah. Uh, okay, so Kirk wears previously unseen white undergarments during the location segments on the asteroid. The long sleeve shirt can be viewed just under the cuff of Kirk's tunic when he's using the recorder translator. The long johns can be seen above the boots when Kirk is crouched on a rock. Given that this segment was filmed in November, the undergarments could be thermal or perhaps padding for the fight scenes. Now, I did notice that his uniform was ridiculous and very tight and his belt was very high and it looked like he was uh, prepared for not chafing or like he he knew he was going to be doing long days outside in the sun and i don't know i, th I feel like his whole getup was not what he wore on the ship yeah, yeah i don't you, know what the you, average you notice a costume is, change when he goes from the planet to the the ship yeah both, yeah both times. okay so this one's kind of cool comedian and film director ben stiller has the prop gorn head as he is a very big fan of the star trek franchise so he bought that gorn head yeah Lucky guy. Uh, okay, so this is the one I'm going to get to. This will be the. All right, I have two more. Captain Kirk's chase of the Gorn ship is reminiscent of Captain Ahab from Herman Melville's Moby Dick, a metaphor used quite frequently in Star Trek. You know, we get the. It's not. Blow up the damn ship, John Luke! No! Okay, and finally, <laughs> this one might be the best one. As I mentioned it earlier, Gary Combs, one of the actors who wore the Gorn suit, suffered from claustrophobia. A genuine trooper, he wore the suit and that, and that dreaded head, which triggered his claustrophobic condition in a major way. The show was filmed with no trouble from Combs, and the crew lost no time as a result of Combs' condition. Brave guy. True hero. He's like, he's like when Garrick had to go into that little room to, to uh, repair the transporter or whatever when they were stuck in that Jemadar prison in season five, D Space Nine. That's right. Yeah. You know. So I just happened to look up. Uh, I'm just going to add a fun fact here. Um, I just happened to look up what the average temperature at Vasquez Rocks actually is. It generally Sorry, say again. So I would have thought it would have been hotter than that. Oh, Dave, I have one more that you will find interest. You will like remade as Blake seven duel, 1978 and he man and the masters of the universe, the arena, 1984. Yes. Well, you're talking cartoon masters of the universe. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. We said the, we said last night or was it last night or the, night or the other night that we're going to do um, masters of the universe movie rewatch, which I think will be because it's oh, got, I'll, I'll uh, be game on that. I haven't seen that in like 20 years. We got uh, Robert Duncan McNeil from Star Trek Voyager in that. So we said, and we're going to call it uh, Star Trek Actors and Questionable Movies. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's great. Yeah. Okay, guys, I know we're coming up in an hour. So I want to get to the ratings um, just to uh, pull that in. Oh, by the way, here's that Gorn in that Klingon um, uniform. Oh, my figure. God. Was that what you had, Adam? No. 
No. No. No. You had the more the one that looked more like the actual. It's yeah, probably good because if you had this, you'd be like, "What the fuck?" Man, lizard man. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. So let's get to ratings. So, you have up so we can all arena. see. Okay, arena. Uh, let's start with Jody. Oh, oh, geez. Um, I'm gonna give this a. I'm gonna give this an eight point five. This is this is a solid fun episode. The only reason why it loses marks is because it's kind of stupid. <laughs> but overall, it's fun. Adam, uh, I'm going with Jody. Eight point five. All right. I couldn't Dad? agree with you more, Adam. That's good. <laughs> Dad, I would go an eight point three. Oh, he's. He That's always likes occurrence. to just throw to. He no, never wants to do the fives or the zeros, eh? Stepchildren, but it's supposed to. It's no Plato's stepchildren, he says. It's just under oh, Plato's. No, you're right. It isn't. <laughs> oh God, that is a terrible episode. Yeah, you gave it a five. Uh, yeah, <laughs> and it didn't even really deserve that. I was being nice. Post the little guy <laughs> Plato's stepchildren. It doesn't matter. It yeah, sucks. He had a name. Um, <laughs> Jeff. <laughs> Uh, I just give it an eight. All right, I'm gonna go as high as nine, guys. I'm gonna go a little higher. Nine. So, um, wow. Yep. So this average. So among the five of us, this averages out at an eight and a half. Uh, IMDb rating at eight, which I think is a little low, a little surprisingly low. Um, so combined with those, that's about an eight point two. So this is uh, well above our averages. Uh, right now, our average for uh, original series episodes is seven point two. Uh, when you look at sort of the combined with like the control audience, we're at 7.4. So we're, you know, this is, uh, this was well above that. Um, all year. All year. Right. Jeff, uh, Jeff, uh, you no, Jody is the, the harshest episode raider, but Jeff is very close. I'm the har <laughs> harshest everything all the time. God so is the most generous. You get one of his ratings. And well, yeah, we already middle. know. Cause like he rated some of them that were just terrible. <laughs> But this one he was a little harsher on. He said this was no Plato stepchildren. It's them rose-colored glasses he wears. Yes. So um, He's just too busy watching the game right now. Yeah, the Raptors are back. They're playing. The Warrens <laughs> are playing basketball again. Right. So uh, we'll be back next week to talk about the original series episode Miri uh, from the first season, episode eleven, I believe. And uh, I, I I don't think I've actually watched this before. So Adam yeah, had suggested this. So I'm looking forward to. Uh, do, I always like to see an episode I really haven't watched before. Last week, last week we did for the world is hollow and I've touched this guy, which I had never seen before either. So oh, really? um, I'm enjoying uh, watching new content. You know, <laughs> when you watch of, this episode, enjoy the character. His name is John. Yeah, you'll you'll recognize him. John. Okay, John and Mary. Okay. God, uh, now you really got me, got me wondering. Yeah. All right, so I'm looking forward to that. Also, here on Live Long and Podcast, we got Star Trek podcasts all week long. On Tuesday nights, we have original, or sorry, D Space Nine, as we're just uh, getting into the second season of D Space Nine. If you want to rewatch that, hear our take on every. Was it your three and a half year? It's a three and, and a half, half year, year journey. So we're six months yeah. in, or whatever it is now. We got through the first season. We're on to the second. Good for you. Yes, thank you. First season's the hardest. <laughs> I think this second. No, I think the second season is actually gonna be the hardest. Um, oh, really? At least okay. part. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I think there's a couple better episodes in there. Um, uh, also, we, of course, we do original series here, and then on Thursdays we do lower decks, and on the weekend we do um, what's it called? Uh, Star Trek Radio Theater. Um, <laughs> and uh, sorry, I just blanked every second. Uh, we're gonna be doing this one Saturday night, and we're doing a Voyager episode called Inside Man, which had Barkley. Uh, original uh, Barkley. I know that one. I'm playing Barkley. Uh, Are so you? Gonna, oh, you'll be a good Barkley. I, I saw that you listened to our last one for um, our Star Trek Radio Theater where we were doing um, uh, we did the one with Picard uh, Tapestry uh, and Q. I, mm -hmm. So how'd you, how'd you enjoy that? I, I haven't actually asked you. I, I enjoyed uh, you guys. It was a good watch. Yeah. Good listen. Yeah, was, you, you oh, Thank you very much. Yeah, Jeff played uh, Picard as Elvis Presley. So, uh, and also Travolta. It was kind of a he was kind of a split personality. The key so, here that the audience needs to know is it's a it's an interpretation. It's not a direct uh, uh, recreation. Yes. So yeah, it's it's a it's, there's it's, always it's, some fun to be in store there. When it's you, a when it's, you hear it's it. an artistic uh, reinterpretation. Yeah, I'm gonna have uh, to jump on one soon. We're gonna be doing the movie finale. 
um eventually i don't know when we're doing the finale but we're gonna do star trek 4 as our big finale for the season one. oh well then um, i must i must come back you, to reprise my role as yes. scotty well we have a lot of roles uh to divvy up for that one so yeah for sure. um i think there's like 36 roles so uh it's yeah. gonna be good all right and then super Mater brother podcasting is our other channel where jeff and i and jameel cover big brother and sometimes survivor and a couple other shows uh we're gonna be back tonight covering the veto episode of this fifth week of big brother usa 22 and we'll be back to on thursdays and sundays to talk about those episodes and our our other channel trivial debates where we do our monthly debate show uh, we got a big battle next royal one's gonna be up. epic this next one is epic uh it's actually judging me and jeff are a team kevin and jody are a team chris and jameel are a team and it's going to be great so the chris and out. jameel team is the one i'm looking forward to the most yes it's gonna be good last sunday of every month so check that out and uh and uh, and go raptors i guess yes right? yes we're, we're hoping they're gonna win so thank you jody thank you adam dad you. and jeff we will see you again for the next one. Oh, he's got his mask he's oh off. he's off uh, to somewhere let's, let's, oh, let's get a closer look here let's get a let's closer get this, look here with this with the uh, science I can't really make it out is that like the uh the jj abrams star trek is it just the star trek logo yeah, yeah it's like the sign i think it's the federation logo. no it's no it's the uh, science symbol oh, yeah. science oh okay uh, yeah yep. starfleet Delta. yeah very good cool. awesome. yeah i had to go with blue i like the blue and just no, like a service blue. announcement, everybody, wear your fucking masks. <laughs> and keep your Please. noses in your masks, too, if you can. Yeah. Put your fucking noses in your mask, too. I it's see not effective. Like if I can still like, snot on me. Air comes if you can still nose. snot out, it's not effective. <laughs> That's my PSA for today. <laughs> All right. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, listening and watching, and we'll see you next week. Okay. Uh, live long. Oh, thank you.